Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Pre-Med Years, session number 265. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me. This week, I have an amazing guest, somebody who I reached out to based on the fact that from a lot of students, I hear study technique issues. I can't study well. I need better study habits. So I went and found a memory master, somebody who has competed in memory competitions. And I found Luis Angel. He's written a book about it. He's been on a Fox TV show about superhumans and memorizing things, showing off his skill of memorizing things. And we're going to talk all about how you as a pre-med can better prepare yourself to learn and better learn what you are studying. So we'll dive in and say hello to Luis. Thanks for joining me on The Pre-Med Years. Hey, thank you so much, Ryan. Dr. Great. <laughs> I know you told me to call you Ryan. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much, Ryan, for having me on this. Uh, I hope that I can deliver massive value to your audience and we can help them improve their grades, improve their focus, and so they can get right back on that path or stay on that path to uh, medical school. That's the hope. So I want to hear a little bit about your background. How does one become a memory athlete? Well, it all started back, back in the days. Uh, people always say, were you born with this? I was like, yeah, sure. I came out of the womb memorizing a deck of cards, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that's definitely not how it happened. I actually struggled a lot. I struggled in, in school, uh, high school, even in college, early on in college, to the point where, you know, that that's what drove me to discover this. I was failing, you know, my English classes. I was failing my science classes. Um, if it was not for my, I still remember her name. I didn't have that great of a memory back then, but uh, Miss Solano, she said, Luis, I like you as a person. You're a great individual. You're just not doing great in school, but I don't want to see you here, here again next year. So I'm going to give you this D minus so you can move on. Um, so if it was not for my English teacher giving me that D minus in, in a high school, I would not have graduated high school. That's how bad my grades were overall. Um, so once I got to college, I was like, okay, fresh start. You know, everything's going to be brand new. I'm going to focus. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to do all my work. And here's the thing, Ryan, when you go into a new situation with the same blueprint that you've had in the past, mm -hmm. expecting a different result, you normally don't get that. You get the same you know, activity happening. And that's what happened with me. I got actually put on probation and got kicked out for a semester. The same type of thing happened. Like, we like you, just you're not doing great. So how about you take a break? Um, so that's what led me into this path of memory improvement was the fact that I, I was not doing that great in school. And they said I had ADD attention deficit disorder, you know, my psychologist, psychiatrist, they gave me the meds. And, um, for me, I know there are individuals that do need them and we're talking to a medical audience here. So 
Um, I'm not saying it's not for everyone. I'm just saying for me personally, I didn't prefer that route. I wanted more of a, you know, the natural fix. And that's why I went the the memory training route of uh, of improving my memory. And, and yeah, so now I compete all over the world in competitions. I was on a TV show called Superhuman on Fox and, and that was a great experience. So um, that's kind of my quick recap of, of my journey up to this point and how I got into this field. What's the the longest, the biggest thing that you've memorized? It was, I would say, the biggest and just most accomplished uh, feat for me was on that show. Um, even though I've done, I've done like you know the sit down for hours on end and, and these huge competitions, but this one uh, in particular for the Superhuman show was I had to memorize over hundred people's names. Uh, first name, last name, initial, their hometowns, you know, obviously memorize their faces and, and, and something special about them. And it was just because it was under the pressure, the lights, the, you know, celebrities that were in attendance, the audience and all that, uh, family members. That to me was the biggest um, thing. It was over 500 pieces of, of information I had to memorize that day. It wasn't like I was given months, uh, weeks and months to prepare or to get that information in my head. I had, you know, they said, here, here are the people, memorize their information. We're going to quiz you in a little bit. And, uh, and yeah, sure enough, I got everything correct. So that was the biggest thing I, I have done, you know, in, in actual memory competitions. Aside from this, it was, um, you know, memorizing thousands of digits of numbers in a matter of an hour, uh, doing over 200 digits in five minutes. So things like that, numbers, names and faces, decks of cards in competitions. Uh, yeah. How much of the memory that you have and the and the skills that you've gained for a student who needs to remember this information over the course of a semester or over the course of, of several months studying for the MCAT, the big test to get into medical school, how much right. of the skills that, that you can teach a student is transferable to long-term memory? Yeah, definitely. So there's... What I like to say, there's a three-step process to being able to memorize anything quickly, although um, it depends on the type of material that you're trying to memorize and and what it's going to take for you to actually commit that to memory. Um, when it comes to, like, say, memorizing names of, of particular elements of, I don't know, even the anatomical structure, um, that's much more easier to apply the techniques um, and especially commit them to long-term memory. The three-step process is, first, you need a location. Uh, you need to be able to store the information on a specific, uh, you know, place. We call these memory maps or, um, you know, mental journeys in our minds. Second step is visualize. So turn the information you want to retain into an image or, or a story and attach that to the location. And third step, and this is critical for long-term memory, is review. If we don't review the information, um, it doesn't matter if you're the best memorizer in the world or, you know, you're just getting started. If you don't review, you're going to forget. If you ask me right now, Ryan, like, hey, do you remember that 200-digit number you memorized in the uh, Australian memory competition a few years back? I'm going to be like, um, there's a two in there somewhere, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, so I, I didn't memorize that for long-term memory retention. I memorized that for that short period of time. If you ask me, can you get, recite, you know, the first few digits of pi? It'd be like 3.14159265353. You know, I can keep going. But the... That I wanted to commit to long-term memory, and all that I had to do was apply the memory techniques and then do the review aspect of that to retain that information. So for students, you can apply the techniques that hopefully you know we'll be able to cover in a bit, um, apply the memory techniques, and then also make sure to review the information, um, and that's going to help you move it from short-term memory to long-term memory. Perfect. So yeah. I, I think it's 
it's awesome to hear your journey to understand that that you didn't come out of the womb memorizing <laughs> a deck of cards, that you struggled. And there are plenty of people listening to this who are struggling, who are questioning their ability to get into medical school, to to get through medical school because they don't think they're smart enough. Or maybe they have that diagnosis of ADD, ADHD. What is the first thing somebody should do if they're in the same situation you were in, they're, they're questioning their ability to, to be a good student. What's the first thing they should do to start changing that mindset around? Honestly, and it's that last part, it's mindset. I was talking to you just before the, you know we, uh, we got on the air, and Tony Robbins is a huge inspiration in my life. Before I even got into the memory side of, memory improvement side of, of this world, uh, I got into personal development. So that means going out there and seeking these individuals that are performing at an optimal level, at a peak performance level, and learning how they got to that point. So Tony Robbins, you know, I've been to several of his events, and he's a huge motivational speaker. But one of the things that he talks about is having these limiting beliefs that one places on ourselves, or maybe it's our environment, the people that we grew up with, or maybe it's, you know, the people that we watch online that are placing these limiting beliefs on ourselves. And we have to break through those. You know, one of the things he does at his events is have us walk through flaming hot coals, these fire walks, um, literally, you know, they're thousands of degrees hot, and you just have to walk across that. And that not necessarily just because to be able to say and brag to your friends that you did that. It's more to conquer your, um, you know, the beliefs that you have about yourself as can I really go up to a challenge, face that challenge and move forward and overcome that and come to the other side um, and be grateful for, you know, everything that went through that, that I had to go through to get to that process. Uh, for me, it's, it was all about having these limited beliefs and destroying them. That's what really got me to focus because I can teach people how to memorize things very quickly. You know, I can teach people how to compete in memory competitions and even take these techniques and apply them to school. But at the end of the day, if you're not really, you know, motivated and, and you don't believe in yourself that you can do it, they're going to do you no, no service. So uh, for me, it's having that wall of, of limitations that maybe you place on yourself saying, I can't do this. I'm dumb. I'm slow. I'm stupid. You know, that's what I, that, those were the thoughts that were running through my head. I can't read, or if I could read it, it's going to take me a long time to actually like learn this material. All these limiting beliefs that I placed, I had to essentially build a huge sledgehammer to destroy that wall and bring it down. And that sledgehammer was made with positive intent. So um, I told myself, I am smart. I can do this. I can learn quickly. I can read this material and retain it for a longer period of time. So that's what I would tell people. Um, and that's actually one of the things that I, I actually, when I go to schools and I work with students, is I have them go through these positive incantations that they can, they they will, and they must Um because of what it's going to mean once they get to the other side, who they're going to be able to help out, not only themselves, but maybe their family members. So um, I would say before even getting started with anything else, even the memory techniques is, is building that foundation of positivity that they can and, and they will achieve their goals. Do you have any, before we get to the, the techniques of learning and memorizing, do you have any resources for that mindset switch? Any apps for positive affirmation or books that you recommend? Uh, Awaken the Giant Within again. Tony Robbins is it's a huge one for me. Um, there's, I mean, several different. I I wrote a book, <laughs> uh, Better Memory Now. I guess I could plug that. Yeah. Where I go through some exercises on on how to be able to do that. I do a lot of meditation. Um, a lot of uh, YouTube videos. They have um, 
you know, Les Brown is a huge inspiration for me, Jim Rohn. So just even hearing, if you can't personally surround yourself with individuals that are always, you know, positive and always motivating, you can always read these books or also watch the YouTube videos. I'm a huge YouTube junkie or even, and even podcast junkie. Um, so, you know, Jim Rohn is a huge name, Les Brown, Tony Robbins, um, or anyone in your field that you feel you, you connect with. Um, if they're uplifting and they're motivating, definitely, you know, listen to them or, or, you know, read their books. Yeah. Jim Rohn has one of the the famous quotes about you're the average of the, the five people who surround you. And, I, I think it's a huge thing, and you talked about that, getting those those positive people around you to help support you. Definitely, yeah. All right, so let's talk about being a memory athlete and how you teach students how to be better students, how to be more focused and, and be able to memorize and learn uh, better and more efficiently. Yeah, uh, so again, the three-step process, you need a set of locations. So we can, the students that are listening, what you want to do first is create this memory map or memory palace in your mind, and you can even you can write it down first. But you know, obviously, you're going to want this in your mind as as when you're learning the information, you can easily just store it all along this route. Um, so we can actually practice with you, Ryan. Uh, so uh, what Let's I like go. to say is, imagine that you're at the front door to your home right now. Okay. Okay. Imagine you're at the front door and I want you to open up that front door of your home. What is this first room that you walk into? The living room? Is it a walkway? Maybe the dining room? What's this first it's, room that you walk into? It's, it's just a little entryway and a little playroom for my daughter. Okay, perfect. So that playroom, we'll walk into that playroom. I want you to kind of look around the playroom, look at everything that's small, big, up on the ceiling, on the walls, on the floor, carpet, uh, where all the toys are at. Everywhere. So I want you to everywhere, <laughs> everywhere, all over scattered. I have two nieces, so I know that's like they play in the living room, in the you know the bedroom, in my room. They come over, um, and, and just put everything everywhere. But uh, yeah, so look and and imagine like you're there right now. Okay. And we're gonna go clockwise. So I want you to choose five different um, locations in this room, and by locations I mean it can be you know the the toy chest where they place all their toys when they actually put them back in there. Um, or, you know, maybe a lamp or a painting on the wall or something like that. So choose five different distinct things, um, in this room and you can go clockwise. starting from the left side of the room going clockwise. What's the first thing that you picture here? An easel. An easel. Love that. Easel. Um, do they like drawing? Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and then going clockwise to the right, what, what's the second thing that you see here? There's a little, uh, drawer system for toys. Okay, perfect. And then the third moving clockwise, a kitchen, kitchen, little play set. And then, uh, number four is a dollhouse dollhouse. Perfect. And then number five, a picture of my daughter eating cake on her first birthday. Awesome. <laughs> all right. Um, so from one through five, go ahead and say all of these uh, going forward. Wait, say that again? So from one through five, so yeah. number one, easel, number two, drawer. Okay, so just go through those again. So mm-hmm. so easel, drawer system, kitchen, um, dollhouse, and picture. Picture. Perfect. Going backwards now? Picture, dollhouse, kitchen, drawer system, easel. Perfect. What was number two? Um, drawer system. Number five, picture. 
Number one. Easel. And four? Dollhouse. Perfect. See? So now you're a step one. You're a part, part, you know, step one of the process of being able to apply these techniques, not only in, in school and also in competitions. If you ever want to do that, uh, we can go head and head in competition. But this is what we do as memory athletes. Now, we did five right now. I'm going to give you some information to memorize on top of those locations. But this is what we do as memory athletes. And we have thousands of these in our heads whenever we compete in competition just because we have to memorize you know bulk load of information very quickly um let so, me let me ask you a question yeah. so yeah. i am a very visual person i right. i'm very uh very good in 3d space uh, my wife is not uh, there are some people who are just good with that and some people who aren't with that mm -hmm. skill do you have to be a very visual person to do well at this i don't believe so i mean so far with every individual that i've worked with and they, that i taught this technique to whether they're you know they they say you you know if you're an auditory learner you're you know you best you you learn best when you just hear the information visual when you you know see the information kinesthetic when you actually play with the information or with the the learning experience um i found that this technique kind of embodies all of that in the sense that when you're visualizing it's not just visualizing um th the the space that you're in it's also like imagine like you're there in, in the you know you're present you're hearing the sounds when you're creating the stories you're hearing the sounds that you're hearing if you like if you imagine a car accident right you're hearing all the sounds that are are uh, correlating with that event yeah. um you sense everything that's that's happening in that space so i don't think that it's just for those that are really good at visualizing. I think um, this this does work for almost everyone. I've even worked with an individual that was blind before, and they were in their own way able to quote unquote visualize this yeah. uh, this information and yeah. activating the senses. I mean, you mentioned sound, smells, whatever. Activating senses is a huge memory booster. Oh yeah, definitely. So that's what I tell people: <laughs> make sure to add as many senses as you possibly can with the with the stories that you're creating. Don't just quote unquote, visualize it. You know, what do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel? Um, whether internally or externally when, when you're seeing that information interacting with, you know, with the material. Okay. Yeah. Um, so like right now on the easel, I want you to imagine like you're there, feel the paper, if it's paper or, or the whiteboard type of easel. Um, you know, what does it feel like for you to be there? Imagine like you're pulling off the caps of the markers, smell the markers, you know, right on the right on the easel. So, you know, do that when you're creating these locations. I want the students to to place themselves in these these rooms and visualize themselves actually interacting with these locations because that's going to cement them deeper into your into your memory banks to make it easier for you to actually memorize something on top of there. Okay. Um, so again, number one, two, three, four, five, the easel's drawer, the kitchen, the dollhouse, and the uh, the picture. Why we repeated them forwards, backwards, and then by number is, again, it's because of that review aspect, right? Um, when we review something, we're building on that myelin in our brains to to help cement this into long-term memory, um, and it's in specific in that specific order. So, when you're creating these locations on your own for the students listening, do them in blocks of five. That's what I like to do. Um, and most of the memory athletes out there, we do in blocks of five. We review them forwards, backwards by number, and then we move on to the next five. And then once we've done that a few times, then we group that into blocks of ten. Um, and that's just in general, that's a great memory tip right there or, or learning tip is don't try to 
learn everything all at once or cram everything the night before the exam. Do it in blocks, do it in chunks, and then take breaks in between as well. Um, that, w- that was huge for me. Or it even is now as well. Um, whenever I'm learning something new, I do it in chunks and in blocks. Um, and then, you know, before moving on to the next one and reviewing the next chunk. Um, yeah, so it's that's important to know. Say, okay, I have 20 amino acids to learn. Let me learn five a night for the next four nights. Exactly. Instead of 20 yeah. all in one night the night before the test. <laughs> yeah. All right, and so then- how do we how do we take learning furniture and pictures to <laughs> to learning stuff? Right. So now this is where the fun part happens. So that was step one. Step two is actually taking that information and learning it. So I'm going to give you just some basic, you know, uh, words and, and images to apply here. Um, and then they do have meaning and I'll cover that a- afterwards. But on the easel, what I want you to picture is a bone inside of an envelope. A okay? bone inside of an envelope. Inside of an envelope. Okay. So maybe your kids are drawing a, a huge envelope there and then it comes to life right and then you place a bone inside of there maybe you have dogs around there and they want that bone uh that's inside of the envelope so i want you to imagine that you know happening right there where the easels at a bone in an envelope got it okay on the on the drawer i want you to picture um a toad playing with poker cards. Okay, so Ryan, give me a visual representation of how that will look like for you. Not just a toad sitting there, you know, messing with the cards, but give me some more animation. Maybe add some more uh, senses to that uh, to help you link that together. So, so when you say that, I, I picture the 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 picture, the famous picture of the dog sitting around the poker table. So <laughs> I I picture opening up a drawer and seeing some toads playing cards and and croaking and. Right. Being slimy. What are you looking at, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. Awesome. Um, and on the the third location, what's your third location? Is the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I want you to picture uh, blueberries. So berries in general. So berries, blueberries, strawberries. Okay. Um, so berries in the kitchen area. So how would you associate that together? Open up the fridge and see the berries. Yeah, and then maybe you start squishing them and you get berry juice just dripping oh, down yeah. the side. Yeah. Okay, um, The dollhouse. Uh, what I want you to do is picture a towel that's very dry. And very dry and, and, and just, uh, I don't know, like coming apart. A, a towel that's dry and coming apart and it's very frail and maybe it's an old, like, ragged towel. So how would you associate that with the dollhouse? Um, I would see the dollhouse and and see the towel the towel inside one of the rooms and one of the dolls tearing it apart. Okay, um, on the the picture frame or the picture area, I want you to picture. <laughs> this one's gonna get a little more complex, but I think we can do it. Uh, so a a dog. I want you to picture a dog here, a dog with an oxygen mask. <laughs> Okay. A dog with an oxygen mask, and he's eating a big plate of a big dinner plate, maybe turkey. Okay, so a dog with an oxygen mask, he's eating uh, a big plate of turkey, and he's trying to melt it down with uh, nuclear acid. <laughs> okay. Okay. You probably got the reference already. If not, we'll we'll cover it in a moment. So a dog with the oxygen mask on the picture frame area. Um, and he's eating dinner plate of turkey, and he's melting it down with the nuclear acid. Okay. Okay. What was the first thing we memorized? 
a bone in an envelope on the easel? So bone in an envelope. I work with high school students, and one of the biggest things for them is, you know, SAT words, or it was back when SAT, you know, they, they yeah. really focused on, on vocabulary. Um, but it's still, it's a really good way for them to kind of learn these words. Um, the word here is benevolent, benevolent. Um, so what I like to do whenever I'm memorizing a word, I like to ask myself, what does this word remind me of? when I'm looking at it. So I'd like to break it apart. So Ben Evelyn, I picture a bone for the band part. And then Evelyn, I picture the envelope. And then I create the story, we picture like dogs all around. So I have a Siberian Husky um, and a few chihuahuas. I'm Mexican, so it's like, <laughs> it's a must for us, to have, for us to have these chihuahuas. So maybe my dog, she was being very kind and very uh, friendly with my chihuahuas. So I gave her that bone inside of the envelope, right? So that's for that first one. When students are memorizing um, their their material, try to be playful with the information, right? Try to try to kind of uh, create these stories in a playful manner because it's going to make it more entertaining and more fun for you to actually sit down and and, and learn the material as well. So, um, how necessary what, is it for yeah. a student to create their own stories versus having some sort of repository uh, where other students share what they've used? I would say it is it is more beneficial for them to create their own stories in the sense that they're more connected with the material um, because there are going to be other students that might create some some metaphors and some analogies that they uh, they're not too fond of, right? So um, I would definitely say do your best to create your own, but in the same sense, if you want to get ideas from other students and uh, mm -hmm. cheat a little bit, then that's you know that's not a problem either because um, it's it's still at the end of the day by creating these stories, whether you came up with them on your own or or someone helped you with them, um, it's going to be a much better way to actually learn the material and stick it and have it stick to long term memory than than if you just try to do it the rote memorization way, repeating the information over and over again. Our brain learns best when it can you know. Um, it can, it can connect with it in a story form, in a metaphorical form. So, yes, creating your own stories will, will help you out for, um, for long-term memory. Uh, but, you know, either way, uh, you know, I create these stories for my students and they, they use them and, um, and it helps them out in, in, in their studies. So okay. either, one, either one works. Um, the next one that we visualized, what was the next picture? It was the toad playing cards in the drawers. Yep. So I'll go through this a little bit faster now, but this one, the word is pokritude. Okay, so maybe the toads were playing cards and uh, one of them got a royal flush and then one of the toads turned into like this beautiful princess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so pokritude have, means having immense beauty. Pokritude, poker cards with the toad. Um, so that's how I linked that together. Uh, on the next one, on the kitchen, what do we picture? Berries. Berries for that, I like to just say, look, I know they have a lot of sugar. But still, they have uh, the rich in antioxidants that help uh, overall. I, I like to say, you know, they help overall brain brain performance. Yep. Um, so berries, I that's just uh, one of the things that I would say if you're not doing so already, put that into your into your diet. Uh, what's the next thing that we memorized? The dry towel. The dry towel. So the word there is tawdry, T-A-W-D-R-Y. Um, and it was very cheap. So this means it's made out of cheap quality material. And then the last last one that we pictured was the dog wearing an oxygen mask, eating turkey, melting it with uh, nuclear acid. 
So this was was lengthier, but I did that on purpose. Um, you know, some of these are very, you know more more direct, the bone envelope benevolent. I get it. For this one, it's a little bit longer, especially for medical students when they have to memorize a lot more information. These techniques will still work. They require a little bit more creativity, but um, at the end of the day, they they will work. What this represented was. Um, did, did you get the reference with that image? Um, no. no. So deoxyribonucleic acid. Um, <laughs> it's DNA. So DNA was the dinner plate. Okay. Right. DNA dinner. Um, and then deoxy. So the dog with the oxygen mask. Uh, deoxyribonucleic acid. Um, so then he was melting the the ribs. I mean, I'm sorry, the the turkey with the with the the nu nuclear acid. So, if you want to remember something like that, like an acronym, um, just obviously you know create these images, these stories, and it's going to help you out with that as well. Okay, that's awesome. Yep. All right. So, what's the next step? So the next step is reviewing. We did some of that here. You know, we reviewed them a few times, but in order for us to really cement this into your long term memory, reviewing is essential. You can do this whether you actually block time off and sit down and say all I'm going to do here is focus on reviewing this information or once you actually put this into your memory bank by creating the locations creating the stories placing them on the locations you can do this from wherever I do this when I'm working out um, when I'm working out and I'm instead of like counting one two three four five I go through my first location and see the first thing that I picture there okay bone envelope next location toad you know, toad poker cards, third location, berry, so on and so forth. As I'm like working out, doing my weights, uh, my weight set, or if I'm running, I'm going off for a jog, I'm reviewing the information um, that that I memorized earlier on that day or even that week. So reviewing is essential. That's that's part, you know, step three of this process. Review, review, review. Um, and you can do this whether, again, you're sitting down and you want to just focus on that fully or even when you're what we call net time no extra time needed meaning you're doing other activities that don't require your conscious um, mind to be present at that point in time and you can review the information again when you're running working out maybe cleaning your room um, you can review it as well for students who are listening to this obviously they have a, a ton of information to learn from different classes with the locations and, and memorizing these different spots in your house or wherever you are, can you use the same location to learn different things or should each set of, uh, of things that you're trying to memorize, should that be a different location for everything? You could reuse locations at, as long as the initial information, if you wanted to, obviously, for the students, they do. So as long as you wanted to retain that information for a longer period of time, uh, you would want to, again, review that particular chunk on that location. Say if you memorize everything about, I don't know, um, the skeletal system all in your living room, right? Um, as long as you memorized it in the living room and you review that, you know, to the point where you don't need the locations anymore to access that information, because it's going to come to a point where you don't need it um, in order to, to retrieve it. You're going to just, whenever I, I meet somebody um, and... I'm using the techniques to memorize their names, which is always. Um, so like, let's say I meet someone named Heather and I picture a feather for Heather. So I'm picturing myself tickling her nose um, with the feather. 
you know, the next time I might, I more than likely need that, that trigger to help me remember her name. But after a few occurrences of me, like actually interacting with, with her, I'm not going to need to always picture a feather on her nose. I'm just going to know her name is Heather. It's already moved to long-term memory. Um, so the same thing with, with the actual information. Once you reviewed it enough time to where you don't even need it, you know, you don't need the locations anymore to access that information. Then at that point you can chunk other you know new information in that living room area or wherever you place um, the initial set so I reuse locations all of the time um, and competition setting is an absolute must to reuse locations we give ourselves two to three days for it to be a blur of not reviewing for us to memorize a new set of say numbers or cards or um, you know dates or whatever information we're, we're storing on there um, and again that's that's where that's why we emphasize the review aspect because if we don't review, that information, it's going to be gone in, you know, two or three days. And then we can store other information on there. All right, Louise. So let's try to get a little bit more concrete for a student and talk about some anatomy. The brachial plexus is probably one of the hardest things to learn as a student going through this process. Now, I just sent you a picture of a brachial plexus. So how would you break down just kind of generally superficially a brachial plexus to help a student learn the structure yeah so i'll definitely i'll use the memory palace for this and let's say we're doing the living room okay um so in the living room maybe you have you know the first location the couch so on the first location i would actually picture the the actual term that we're we're working with here so brachial brachial plexus um i picture for that like brake pads um and they're just you know they're squishing the 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 couch there so brachial plexus are just squishing it together so brake pads they're squishing it um what would you picture for brachial plexus oh well it's harder for me because i know the brachial plexus <laughs> so yeah. for me if if i were to play this game and try to memorize it over um it, it would be interesting i would uh, i i like the brake pad thing so i'll mm-hmm. steal that but okay. but to add to what the brachial plexus is, I'm picturing it squeezing five pillows together. Mm, I like that because there's like five nerves right coming down yes. from the neck area into the arms. Yep. Um, so that's that's perfect. That adds onto this, and that actually uh, is a great point that you brought up because a lot of people say, well, once I create these images, say one per location, can I add more to that? that um, not necessarily is different, completely different. We answered that question earlier, but actually goes along with with this information. Maybe you, you know, section one of your book, it goes to the brachial plexus, but then maybe section three, it reviews that and maybe it it adds more to it. Yes, you can definitely go back and add more and link more um, things to that original story. So the pillows, that's that's perfect, you know, add on to to this. It's going to help you remember that there's five five nerve, nerve endings coming out, correct? Yep. So then the picture that you sent me, it says roots, trunks, divisions, and cords. Um, so then on the next location, the next area, I like to say area because, again, we can string together a longer story along this area, meaning um, if the next area in the living room is a table, I can use not just the table itself, but the table area, meaning there's a chair, there's the legs of the chair, there's underneath the table, there's the top, the tabletop itself. Um, maybe there's, I don't know, a vase in the middle of the table. So I can use everything in this area to help me remember everything about, say, the roots. Um, so for roots, I would picture like, you know, like a plant, roots just growing out of the table and encompassing that entire uh, table. Um, is there specifically something from the roots that you 
that we can memorize here? Well, yeah, let's let's just do one example here uh, to give to give students an idea. So in this picture I sent you, you see dorsal scapular nerve that mm-hmm. comes out in the root section and long thoracic nerve comes out in the root section. And then the other thing that students will have to know is that dorsal scapular is from C5 and that long thoracic is from C5, 6, and 7. Mm-hmm. So for that, the first thing, obviously, is create the, the image or representation for each one of the terms. So dorsal scapular nerve, I picture a door for dorsal, mm-hmm. a door scapular, scapular. Um, I picture a scapula, dorsal scapula, so maybe a door with a scapula. And uh, C5, C5, I, I don't know why, um, I think playing video games early, you know, <laughs> as a youth, uh, C5, isn't that like a type of dynamite or a, an explosive of some sort? C4 is, yeah. Or C4, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so C4. <laughs> uh, so C5, I, I'll still stick with that. I'll yeah. stick with the explosion for... Um, for that, so maybe the door is trying, you know, the door with the scapula um, is trying to cut open this explosive um, before it like detonates or something like that, right? It's trying to um, um, sever sever the line before it, it explodes. So C five, for me, that, that's what I would tell students to do if they didn't have any like system yet for say numbers because I have a system for numbers, right? So for me, my picture for the number five is a, a hell ball. Um, so I would picture maybe a cat with a hell ball if I wanted to memorize specifically that it was C5, mm. um, just because, you know, that's, that's my image, but for five, maybe even like a, a hand for five. So something that individuals can, can link a number to each or a picture to each one of the numbers to specifically remember what that, that was. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, for long, thor- was it thoracic? Long thoracic nerve, long thoracic nerve, um, Thorac, thorac, thoracic. I don't know. I picture like a throat for that. A throat, thoracic, long. So it's like a long throat. Somebody with like a longer neck, maybe. And I guess this works perfect here. Um, So C five C again for me. I would use the images that I've created for the numbers. um, But for somebody that hasn't, maybe seven kind of looks like a hook, right? Seven six looks like uh, what would six remind you of? Um, six, uh, I don't know what six reminds me of a smiley face, maybe smiley face. Okay. And then the number five, uh, five, for some reason, five, I, I think of, um, uh, that, the robot movie. I can't think of the name off the top of my head, but, but Johnny five, uh, <laughs> okay. I don't know. So then, yeah. So maybe have the, have all of that interact, maybe Johnny five with, uh, um, he has it's a smiley face and he has a hook and he's just like, uh, slicing down a long throat for long thoracic nerve. Cause that's going to give you the trigger of five, six and seven, C five, C six and uh, C seven. Okay. Uh, yep. And then I would visualize all of this on the table. Now I know this sounds complex and it sounds like, man, it's, it's just a lot for us to, to go through, but honestly, the, having these triggers does help out and does, um, um, does help out with even the review aspect of it. Because again, you're kind of creating these note cards in your mind and then it frees you up to not necessarily have to look at them physically, but you can be out and about and reviewing this material um, by just looking at the table and saying, okay, what did I picture here, right? Um, I picture the door with the scapula. All right, that was dorsal scapular and C5, he was, de- he was trying to you know break apart this explosive uh, C5, right? Um, so that's going to help you with the review process. How long 
looking at this picture that I sent you of the of the brachial plexus, how long do you think it should take somebody who's just starting out learning these techniques to to memorize the brachial plexus? To memorize everything specifically with all of these terms um, there, I would say a good if they once they create the it, it, it for well, I, for me, it'll take me like probably fifteen to twenty minutes. But for someone starting off, it'll probably take them a good half an hour to an hour um, to have them to have this information in their memory bank without like needing to refer to. Um, any type of notes later on. If they, if you like removed all the terms and you just left the lines there, they can easily just be like, okay, that was a dorsal scapular. That was a, um, I don't know how to say some of these, but a suprascapular nerve. Yep. Um, that's an owner nerve down there. So I would say a good 30 minutes to an hour by applying these techniques. And obviously you get faster the more that you do it and the more that you practice visualizing and creating these stories for the terms, um, you get faster at doing it. What are the limitations of this technique? The limitations, I would say, is having the locations that you would need to memorize a mass amount of information in the sense that people don't like to spend that much time like creating these locations. Like They'll probably do their living room and their bedrooms and whatnot, or all the rooms in their homes, but they don't want to take the time to... Um, you know, uh, do more. So I would say the limitations, that would just be it. The fact that you would need more, more locations to be able to memorize more information that takes some time to create. Um, so that would be the biggest limitation. And, and then also just, you know, the creativity aspect of it, people get, give up sometimes after the first try at it just because they're like, Oh man, this is going to take so much longer to create than just doing it the old fashioned way of rope memorizing. But honestly, it's kind of like learning a new language. At first, it does seem like it's going to take uh, more time. But the more that you practice it, the easier that it gets and the, the faster that you are at creating these stories and these images. Um, as far as, again, going back to the locations, I would say have a good set of, say, 100 to 200 locations to start off with. And you can do this from your home. You can do this from you know places that you visit, the local at our pizza shop, uh, at the at Walmart. You can just walk around Walmart and create like 100 locations there, right, from the entrance all the way to the, the cashier area. Um, so just walk around, create these memory maps, and then uh, use them right away to memorize, memorize information. You wrote a book, Better Memory mm-hmm. Now. Does right. for a student listening to this who's super excited to to dive into this, should they go and get your book to to dive deeper into what we just talked about? Oh, definitely. <laughs> of course, I'm going to say that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, for sure. Though, I, I mean, just any great like memory training book out there. My my mentor Ron White, he has a great program, right? I don't make any money from promoting him, but uh, that's who I got this kind of jumpstart from. Uh, he has a great program called Black Belt Memory. So if you want to just dive even deeper, go and get his programs. Uh, there's a lot of great memory trainers out there. Nelson Dallas, he's, you know, Brad Sub, a good friend of mine. He has a memory book. But my book in particular, I go deeper into how to create these locations. Because, again, that's the biggest hiccup for people is just sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going to visualize my room. I'm going to visualize myself at, say, Disneyland and, uh, you know, all the different spots. So I go and, and I give you step-by-step guidance as to how to do this. One of the biggest things is uh, memorizing numbers. So I go and give you guys my pictures for my numbers, and I teach you how to memorize that. Um, and again, in a blocked period of uh, a blocked 
chunk at a time. So I do 10 at a time and I give you my images for each one of the numbers from 00 through 99 and even the single digits. So that's going to help you out tremendously to create these images faster as well. Um, so yeah, my book is definitely great for students that want to go out there and, and uh, apply these techniques and take it to another level. All right, there you have it. Again, that was Luis Angel. Go check out his book, Better Memory Now. You can find that on Amazon or in the show notes for this episode. If you go through the show notes, there's the link there for Amazon. It's an affiliate link. And when you go through that link, you don't pay any more money, but I get a little commission. So if you want to help out, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash 265 and click on the link to buy that book. I hope you have a great week. And next week, we're going to talk to a student who is currently in medical school. And we're going to talk about his journey to medical school, the struggles that he had, and what he learned. So don't forget to check us out every week. And to do that, the easiest way to do that is to subscribe to this podcast. That way, every week when I publish on Wednesday morning, your phone, your device will get this podcast automatically every week. So you don't miss it. Go check it out. 